0: This podcast is brought to you by Hound. Hound comments on style violations and GitHub pull requests, allowing you and your team to better review and maintain a clean code base. Try it now at houndci.com.
1: So I'm on a new project. I've been for like the last three weeks. You didn't say hi, Sean.
0: How, do I, how am I supposed to know how oh. it started? <laughs> Let's try it.
1: Hi Sean Hi Derek so uh, I'm on a new project and I have been for like the last three or four weeks and it's really interesting it came to us um, via a referral from a consultant who would like a single consultant that was hired on to take a look at the app but that was ha- having lots of problems uh, hi Nate he listens to the show and uh, <laughs> it, it's a spree application so it's like a store only it is like super customized I had never seen Spree before, and for the amount of customization that was done to this, like, it's to the point where I think that that somebody did a disservice by, like, selling them Spree for this, (laughs) uh, or selling them customizing Spree for this. But, so, when we took over the app, it was, like, 30 seconds to load the main part of the app that you interact with buying things, basically. And it would frequently time out on Heroku. So, they were in a position where they had a good product, and people wanted the product, but they couldn't publicize their website because it couldn't stand up, <laughs> and, and they don't want so bad. They're going to wait
0: for thirty seconds for the right. page load,
1: and so like they were they were so embarrassed that like they stopped publicizing the website and were just doing like hand to hand sales through word of mouth with friends and like being like yeah okay go to this website and configure your bag like you you one person go hit this website and they <laughs> those people would get errors and she was like I'm so embarrassed like I can't I can't even talk to my friends and family about going to this website like I spent all this money on. Coming up with this great idea,
0: and we have a uh, you know good production, and the website's just not ready. So, so, do they have, in your opinion, do they actually have legitimate needs for like the level of customization?
1: Yeah, I mean, they have a really it's a really slick interface. So it's basically a build. It's, they sell purses, like customized okay. customized bags, very high end, and they put a lot of work into the assets. So like you can you go into this interface and you can build the different types of bags they have. And You can click on the different material different colors and types of leather or Python or crocodile or whatever you want on this bag Uh, You personalize it with like some initials on it somewhere It's really a pretty slick interface when it's working really well And they spent a lot of money on like making sure the assets look really good. They spent a lot of time on that as well So it's not just like CSS coloring in the bag No, you get like an image of this leather on a bag with some shading on it that would you know It looks like it's sitting there so the customization, like, it is not something that could have easily been done by just taking off-the-shelf spree, right? Right. What they wanted. So it, it's hard when I, d- I didn't talk to the original people who developed it, Nate was not the person who originally developed it either. Uh, so I don't know how it got into that situation, right? So there's a lot of, like, having to overcome some distrust when you want to make a change, like, that type of thing going on. So it was basically it's basically just a giant performance project. Okay. And I spent... The better part of the first two weeks, I was the only developer at that point. I've now been joined by Ian Zabel from New York, and he's been super helpful just to have another person to bounce some ideas off of and like try different tacks with trying to improve things. But like, that bag builder page, on the worst case, when, I, when we started, it would do 1,000 queries. So, <laughs> so a
0: little bit more than an n plus one bug. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it would do a thousand queries. So we started like, okay, well, let's get these queries down. And after a while, that becomes like diminishing returns as well, because like it was pretty easy to carve like two hundred off the top, right? We had it down to eight hundred. Then Ian and I paired, and we knocked off like four hundred and fifty more queries. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. And then I went on vacation for a little bit. Ian knocked off like another couple hundred. So like we're down to worst case scenario doing something like. 100 queries right Mm -hmm. which is still a lot of queries but at that point we were like okay we have a better understanding of how this page gets put together what if we tried some fragment caching so we've talked a little bit about that on the show so we Mm -hmm. added you know the russian doll fragment caching and that like instantly things got way better so we're pretty happy with that now like i mentioned before there's a lot of images involved in this website so now we're trying we're looking at ways to Optimize the image loading so like the first thing we do obviously is like optimize the assets because the assets are too big Right, but that's still like we've got 50 to 100 image requests on some of these pages So what I've been playing with today is obviously we and we also put a CDN in front of this stuff to try and speed some of that up right and what I've been playing with today is trying to get I Don't know if this is the right term for it, but like multiplexing the assets via different host names so like instead of having media.example.com and that's where you load all your assets off of s3 or whatever you do like media1.example.com media2.example.com media3.example.com media4.example.com
0: i thought that doesn't do anything anymore it does still like so
1: browsers at this point like chrome will do six active connections to a host name at one time so if you're downloading (laughs) 20 images getting up to three would be okay it also has like each browser has a maximum per host
0: and a maximum overall See, I could have sworn that was a, that was at the point where it was like, if you support IE8, you still have to worry about that, but browsers don't do that anymore. Nah, so I was just looking at this. Let me
1: let me pull it up, because it's actually stupid. interesting.
0: We should fix that. So,
1: it, actually, like, I don't know if it's in the... You know how they, they rewrote the HTTP 1.1 RFCs? Mm-hmm. The original RFC, I'm not sure if it's in the rewritten one, but it said in the RFC was like two connections per host. Oh. Um... So everybody just started ignoring that. I imagine that's probably one of the things they changed when they updated the spec because everybody was ignoring
0: it anyway. Well, then HTTP2, you wouldn't even use multiple connections. You'll just do it all over one connection with uh, with uh, server push anyway. I'll take your word for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would still be... I, I don't understand how HTTP2... I understand how HTTP2 solves some of these problems, like compiling assets and things like that. But I don't necessarily... like If I have a lot of things I want to get, and my maximum bandwidth won't be saturated by one connection why not have two connections or three connections right especially if i'm getting them from an external service like my assets are on s3 and my application is on heroku so i can have one connection to heroku start downloading that and then all of a sudden i'm like oh i'm getting these image assets from s3 i'm getting these javascript assets from another s3 bucket like and i'm getting them all at once rather than
0: presumably client bandwidth is going to be the bottleneck not server bandwidth
1: right I mean I think at some point client bandwidth definitely becomes the problem I don't know it would be interesting to see I'm looking at the I pulled up the stats here so like from Chrome 32 on six connections per host name maximum of ten is that, is that right wow I don't know if these are the most up to date these are on browser scope we'll link them in but like IE9 actually has a maximum of 35 connections total and six, wow. six per host name so pretty good IE11 is 13 per host name <laughs> it's crazy okay is, they're like, all, yeah, it's all over the board. IE Mobile 9, six connections per host name 60 max. <laughs> like, <what? laughs>
0: right, but so the reason that it would be faster to do multiple, why is it faster to do multiple simultaneously? I know, I know that the, like, server push would let you skip this because you're just skipping the overhead of uh, doing additional TCP handshakes and right. HTTP and reestablishing the connection and resending request and response headers. And at that point, if you're just treating the entire thing as one gigantic file, there shouldn't be any reason that splitting it into a bunch of smaller files and trying to load them in parallel would be any faster because just the protocol itself already pushes it presumably to the, to the maximum that the bandwidth allows. Right. I mean,
1: I can only say for now, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saturating on HTTP 1.1, which
0: is, you know, where right, we are right. today. I'm Sorry. not
1: saturating client bandwidth, right? So sure. opening more connections is going to be helpful. We think
0: I guess it's, I guess it's just because the files would be so small that you wouldn't have time to. Yeah. Like each individual file is probably small enough that you're not. That would be why. I sure. think. I don't know.
1: But so like it, even this has been kind of a hassle because they were they were originally set up with, um, you know, they have SSL on the website, but they have it via Cloudflare. Um And I mean you butt flare. what? Mean <laughs> butt Flare <laughs> using the cloud to butt plugin. Um it it gets confusing because I use today in the last two days I've been using both Cloudflare and CloudFront. CloudFront is Amazon's thing. Cloudflare is like a different CDN. Yep. Um so I just keep mixing the two. I'm like, oh on CloudFront I can do this. I'm like, no 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 I mean Cloudflare. And then <laughs> I'm like, jeez <laughs> So like they have they rely on um Cloudflare can give you like this free SSL basically. Um, mm-hmm. So they've been relying on that. So I have to go through Cloudflare to get the free SSL unless I want to go and buy a new cert and put that on the server, et cetera, et cetera. So I've got like layers of CDNing happening where I'm like, why? Oh, I, I messed up the headers. Let me, I got to dump the cache. So I go and dump the cloud front cache. And then I come back and I'm like, why? This, These are still wrong. I'm like, oh, I forgot to clear the cloud <laughs> Uh, flare cache
0: and so then i've got to clear them both because now they both have bad data <laughs> so, i mean isn't the time you're spending dealing with that setup more expensive than buying a wildcard cert? search yeah
1: yeah probably I, what we ended up actually doing when I mean, what i was doing right before i came down here was just going to yet another cdn and using <laughs> setting up fastly because fastly will allow me to do what i want to do which is pick my ssl host name and have multiple of those SSL host names mapped to the same backends. So it allowed me to set up like my company example dash one, my company example dash two, my company example dash three.global.ssl.fastly.net. So now I can multiplex between all of those domains, use Fastly cert, not have to worry about having a cert of my own, et cetera, et cetera. The only complication comes like I've got this we have a lot of these assets have been uploaded with paperclip. So those go to S3. Right. So through the admin interface, you add a new leather to a to the bag or whatever, and you upload it via paperclip and it goes to S3. Some of the assets are like marketing assets that are in the Rails app. So on Fastly I have this configuration that has to say like, if it's looking for something in slash assets, then route that to Heroku. Right? But by mm-hmm. routing by routing to Heroku, what we're actually doing is routing to Cloudflare. So in those cases it goes from your client. Too fastly. If fastly doesn't have a cache, it goes to Cloudflare. If Cloudflare doesn't have a cache, it goes to Heroku. So it's a it's a big mess, basically. Uh, And HTTP is fun. I think the the lesson I'm learning basically is when we start a new project, if I'm not comfortable with like where like if they have a CDN set up and I'm not familiar with it, and they have like the the certificate isn't set up the way I would like to set it up, and DNS isn't set up the way I would like to set it up, like maybe just be like, hey, listen, we're gonna do things like this with these services that we're familiar with, and you know, bite the bullet at that point. We're like, we're gonna get you a wild card cert. Like I was looking the other day, if you if you go with DN Simple, who's twenty five dollars a month, you can get a wild card cert for a hundred dollars a year. Yep. You're like, okay, great. If you try and buy a wild card cert from somewhere else, it's well more than a hundred dollars a year. So I don't know how I do that, but.
0: Well, they're way less than twenty five dollars a month. They're only three dollars a month for the minimum tier.
1: Yeah, I think I looked at like what i for ninety nine percent uptime or whatever. It's twenty five dollars a month for the SLA. Um, if you want to buy the SLA so they can, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. It just means they refund you. I don't like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, So yeah, there's going to be, and and like the other complication of that, like the the other reason I always shy away from like, oh, we've got to make these changes. is like that requires somebody to sign up for something with the credit card. So I've got to like go and be like, hey, uh, product owner, can you please log into this website, sign up for this service? Uh, So I'm trying to get to the point where like I've got, this multiplexing the assets on fastly done and see like and actually get numbers and be like yes i can prove it's going to be worth this now go sign up for fastly uh dn simple a wild card cert and uh we'll cancel all the other
0: stuff you know that would be a, a cool app like something that uh just for people who work in some sort of service industry where you bill things on behalf of your client but would like to not put recurring charges that will last way longer than the engagement on your card because then you have to continue billing them
1: right
0: uh till the end of time like something that just generates a one-off credit card number or something that just forwards it to the client
1: one-time credit cards used to be a thing like in the i don't know early 2000s it was a thing you could do where you could log into your credit card provider's website and be like i want a one-time credit card because i'm going to use this website i don't entirely trust and they would generate you a one-time credit card and or a credit card that expired in three months or whatever and you would use that. And it was great for her. I used it all the time when I was like signing up for services I wasn't sure about. I was like but it was gonna be right. a recurring billing thing and be like, well, worst case scenario they get three months' worth of charges off me because this yeah. credit card expires in three months. So that used to be a thing, but that was pretty cool. We uh, in in this case, like I actually have we actually have a really good trusting relationship at this point with the client, and I suspect like if I was like, listen, I wanna sign up for this, this, and this, it really wouldn't be a problem and she would take care of it, or she would just be like, Here's a credit card.
0: Yeah. Go no, sign up for what you need.
1: But it's a matter of like like, if if I can do it all myself, then great. You know? Yeah. The other thing I've done, and I've done this now on the last two projects, is use Turbolinks.
0: How's that going? It's going great.
1: It's, yeah? It's pretty good. Like, there's a couple got Like, this project in particular has a lot of really hairy JavaScript, so I was like, I'm going to throw this on there to see if it, like, speeds up page loads. And it did speed them up a little bit. And... I was like, I'm going to see if this speeds up page loads, but I'm sure it's not going to work because of all this pre-existing JavaScript that was written without it in mind, right? So all I did was put Turbolinks on there, add, like, the Turbolinks track thing to the assets in the head, so that that tells Turbolinks, like, make sure these are always current. And then I installed, uh, like, jQuery Turbolinks, which basically all that does is, like, turns page load oh boy you're like oh derek Uh,
0: no no (laughs) i mean it can work it's just like most people who write questionable quality jquery plugins don't write their document ready blocks to be uh idempotent yeah
1: which is really odd that so far we have not seen any problem it's only been a day since this has been in production but like clicking around i try i was like okay this is the type of thing like i'm gonna go back here this will be okay like is this gonna be all right so so far it's it's been okay so we'll see on the project i did before this it was not quite greenfield like Tur- turbolinks was already installed on this project but it was like small enough that i knew every bit of javascript that was there and i could write it the way i wanted to write it and we just did turbolinks there i think i installed jquery turbolinks anyway just so like you wouldn't have to think about how to write it you would just be like i can just still use document ready except right. for in the case where you you do something that
0: so well, and, and they, t- they tend to be really subtle, too, though, right? Like, sometimes, um, like, just when you see somebody doing document.ready, some selector.onclick do stuff, um, or, you know, potentially, like, send a request, mm. and then that request gets sent twice, which sometimes is fine and sometimes is not so fine. Interesting. Yeah, the, the previous project where it was already installed, they
1: had Turbolinks enabled just because that's what the generator did, right? Mm -hmm. and then the person who was working on it before us moved all of the JavaScript to the end of the body because that's what they tell you to do for performance Mm -hmm. reasons, right? But those two things do not mix.
0: You want Turbolinks to load all of your JavaScript in the head because you want to do that just the one time. You can uh, get the same behavior, uh, performance benefits of putting it in the bottom of the, pa- of the body by just putting async true on the script tag. Right, and that's, I don't
1: think I'd even bother putting it. I just hoisted it in there, but the, the weird behavior they were seeing was that like everything worked usually, and then sometimes it would click a link and nothing would happen. And I was like, that's really <laughs> weird behavior, but what happens if I move this <laughs> script tag up into the head and then everything was fixed? That's <laughs> was like, mm, right. okay, interesting. So there's definitely some gotchas, but, and, and like on this app the the previous app that had already had it installed everything was really fast anyway, so it did I, it did provide like a noticeable probably hundred millisecond increase on that project yeah and that was in something that was you know we're we're talking sub second page load times anyway so you know it was a, it was a nice little bump I could notice it when I turned it off, um, but it felt fast with it off anyway. On this project, the site is a little slow, so like you click on something and even with the caching, there's a noticeable delay, and so we had to add a progress bar. <laughs> <laughs> because the problem with the problem with and that, this remains to be seen right so if this is still going to be a good idea like I said it's been in production for a day but the problem is like if you have turbo links and you don't get a fast server response it looks like the paid like your click did nothing because right. you're not going to get the browser animation for something's happening
0: right
1: so we added end progress is like the progress bar that everybody uses with turbo Links. so we added that and it goes the top and in turbo this is still turbo both of these cases were turbo links one dot whatever Turbo links 3 has a progress bar built in It has some other stuff built in Um, it has like partial body replacement built in I just think like it it might be a decent way like maybe it is actually a fairly decent default I guess if you know the caveats
0: That's the thing and that's why I don't think it's a decent default because it's an okay uh, Solution if you know the caveats And you're okay with one of those caveats being if I click around fast enough on your links and then press the back and forward button a lot And one of those goes to another page I break your back button And the page is just white, no matter what.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to have to try that out. I wasn't trying that. I don't know if you, in this app, I don't know if you could go fast enough.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and then that's the whole thing, is I've never, like, that's the argument people can make that said, I don't think it's feasible for a real user to actually, like, you have to be trying to break it to break it. It will break if you try and break it, but um, that's the the fun argument people make, but I don't know if it's an actual real concern because users, if they're, okay, they actively tried to break Turbolinks and they broke Turbolinks, but you're a normal user who isn't being a dick.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the other, the other thing about it that kind of bothers me is it only does Turbolinks. It only Turbofies your links for right. get requests, right? So, like, if you are submitting a form, it's a post. That's, like, a full page reload. So in the previous app I did where it was fast anyway, you couldn't really tell a difference as a user if something was happening via Turbolinks or something was happening as, a, like, a full page refresh. But with this app that's a little slower, you know, as you're clicking around, you have this progress bar. And you're like, okay, this is how they're indicating that something's happening. And then you do something else and you get a full page refresh. And so that experience is a little jarring, I would say.
0: I I guess the solution to that is TurboLinks 3. Which is what? Partial page updates from form submissions. Um, Does it do that? Yeah. Fancy. Yeah, that's the whole idea is you...
1: I knew it could do do partial, but I didn't know it's still still handed. Go ahead.
0: Well, because presumably like in the example they gave where you're adding something to your cart, that's going to be submitting a post request via a form. Right. And then just updating the, cr- the cart.
1: Yeah, it says here, it actually says here, TurboLinks will, this is the master readme. TurboLinks will be enabled only if the server has rendered a get request.
0: Uh, oh, if, I don't it's think rendered, if it's
1: rendered a get request.
0: I don't think that is for TurboLinks 3. Uh, it's,
1: the, it's got all the other Turbolinks 3 in here. Oh, it's on okay. master. But it says, it says render a get request, not executing a get request. So maybe that means, like, if you do that thing where you render on create rather than redirect, then Turbolinks won't be available. That's still not a
0: get request, though. Like, the server's behavior doesn't change whether it's a get request. Okay. I'm going to have to read this
1: now. So it says, why not all request types? Some browsers track the request method of each page load, but, trigger, but triggering push state methods doesn't change this value. This could lead to a situation where pressing the browser's reload button on a page that was fetched with Turbolinks would attempt a post. So it is exactly what I was saying. So it's if you render and you create action rather than redirect, right? Then you're going. Then they start doing push state stuff on top of that. If you click reload and this browser, it has it's in this situation that the browser is talking about. It. I wish they defined some browsers. When people do that, I'm like, tell me which browsers. <laughs> um, but then you would actually be resubmitting the form. You would get that warning, but you'd be like, right? Oh, well, and
0: that's the main thing. Is I think that's the you want the warning. Right.
1: Unless you have DevTools open. That's a new thing I noticed the other day. If you have Chrome DevTools open, which I've stopped using Chrome, but if you have Chrome DevTools open and you refresh a form, it doesn't bother you asking that because, like, you're a developer. You wanted to do this. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, yeah, Turbolinks. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I never used it because I had heard people I trust be like, nah, we don't need that, right? And we talked about it a little bit with well, Aaron. Do we need that, though? I, I, do we need it? I don't know. Define need. Do we need any of this? Uh <laughs> very existential today do we need the web do we need websites do we need web applications (laughs) um i don't i mean i don't know if we need it but it's it's certainly added some speed right and it's sure it's especially turbo links one is a pretty simple idea right it's like every time you do a get i'm going to do an xhr request instead and i'm going to parse out the body and i'm going to swap it out for you like okay i think
0: that i think that's all completely reasonable my argument against is just it shouldn't be a default because there are caveats and yeah. it's, not, it's not, even though, you know, we like to pretend it is, it's not just something you can drop into your your existing site and expect it to work. And if you do use something like uh, jQuery TurboLinks, if something does break, it tends to be very, very subtle and hard to detect and shows up like weeks later in production be- when, and only after. Like, it reminds me of just several years ago I was doing some funky stuff with forms and Ajax requests and re-rendering pages and rebinding events and whatnot and there was this bug that we couldn't track down and we thought like everything was crashing because they got what we called on that app the white screen of death because that was our 500 page was literally just a white page or a white (laughs) screen but it was from an AJAX request so it should never be doing that and ultimately uh, what it turned out to be was that some users were double uh, like I started just recording everything I possibly could writing that to the logs and it turned out some users were double clicking and it would be the first request finishes and the form gets updated and I rebind all of the events and then the second request finishes and the form gets Updated by don't rebind the events, and so then when they click on the form the second time, it actually just submits it. And the way that that, that form like indicated success was by returning an empty re- response. Right. The double
1: clicking the button thing happens all the time, like even in non AJAX apps.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I that's feel like why that's one of we the things. Disable with.
1: I feel like that should just be default, like on a form button just put disable with submitting or like dot 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 like append dot 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 to whatever's there and gray the button out like you have to add some styling to make that really happen which i guess is probably why they didn't do it but i just feel like that should that should be the default because like people don't know about disable with and then like it never fails that on every project that runs long enough people are like i'm seeing this duplicate data what's going on and i'm like okay hang on let me sprinkle disable with everywhere right okay there you go like
0: that sounds actually like a pull request because mm. I agree with that. Let's make disable with default. Yeah. Yeah, you might well. it might well. It literally does. It doesn't need, I, don't, I don't think it does need styling because by default it just sets it to disabled true and changes the text.
1: Right, but then uh, I guess you just rely on what the browser does for disabled buttons at that point, which is fine. Right. That's a fine default. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do that some point. I mean, I have a list of things I need to do on Friday.
0: I don't know. I'm willing to bet there's an argument against it, but a pull request would be the place that would come out and that's actually I mean, I, I think that's a reasonable discussion. I guess my question is is there a potential gotcha or downside where it's like that can then cause some normal thing to act really unexpectedly? I've never seen it and it actually like it does a better job of disabling than like
1: most people who try to write disable with themselves because it does right. the whole like it catches exceptions and then like,
0: re enables the button kind of thing. Like, I'm more just thinking because the value of the submit tag actually is relevant. Or, I, no, it's the, well, it's the name of the submit tag and the value, but presumably the request has already been fired, so it wouldn't change what gets sent to the server. And then I guess it would only matter if, like, in a callback of some kind, you were doing JavaScript that then did something based off of the value of the submit button. But even then, I guess it's pretty quickly obvious what. Is going on because you would expect it to say create it at or create you know create whatever and instead it says submitting dot dot dot. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's any real downside. Right. Like, I think that sounds like a good thing to do by default. You're gonna thumbs up me. Okay, great. I'll thumbs up you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and like the other thing, I, the thing I like about both that and Turbo Links are that they are progressive enhancements. Like they aren't shoving JavaScript down your throat. Like you don't you don't have to have them. Your website will work. You might get some duplicate data, so you're gonna want to guard against that on the server side, I guess. In that case, but. More progressive enhancement less requiring yeah. javascript please
0: i ju- you know I, I am just a fan though of things being opt in you know so like every bit of code in the case of turbolink since it's uh, no there's some Ruby code on there as well, right, but it increases the size of your application js it increases the memory load on your server all of this by very tiny amounts for turbo links in particular right but it's just one of those things that if you don't want the benefits of turbo links or uh, aren't prepared for the gotchas that come from using turbo links like it's a thing that you can opt into so that, this is also part of the argument against action cable being in uh the Ra- a dependency of rails by default is that every gem you require increases your memory usage which right. then ultimately if you're on something like heroku where you only have 512 megs of ram can very quickly end up increasing your server costs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would also imagine, I was just thinking about this, it probably increases client-side memory use as well, particularly in cases where you have not written your JavaScript particularly well. You could probably get into some, I should look at
0: that, (laughs) because I don't trust this JavaScript at all. Hmm. I have a feeling it's pretty easy to cause a memory leak with Turbolinks. I've never actually investigated it, but, but I have a hunch that, like, you can probably find a lot of apps using Turbo Links that have a memory leak that are uh, accidentally holding on to the entire DOM tree of every page ever loaded. And then back to your original
1: point, like those apps don't even know they're using Turbo Links half time. Like the app I was working on before, where they were like, "I don't know why is this page load broken." It's because they didn't. Like I explained it to the product owner who was technical enough. Like he did some development on it. He wasn't the primary developer on it, but like he was. He was like, "What's Turbo Links?" And I told it to him. I told him what it was. He's like, "Oh, well, why is that causing this problem?" I tried to
0: explain that, and it was like, <laughs> "That's a funny thing to have done to me." It's like, yeah, see, and, and, the, and, and, and that's the benefit, right? Is that at the very least, Rails is just a default gem file entry, right? Not uh, dependency of Rails itself, so you would never uh, have broken your app by upgrading,
1: right? You wouldn't have done it by upgrading, but when, every time you run new, right. you're you like, "Run
0: Rails new, yeah." This thing is
1: happening, and you don't you didn't opt into it, and it's not it's not well known enough, I think, to, to for you to really know about it, so. Yeah, I mean, I see that. I mean, I like it because well, I'm, I'm giving it a shot and have been liking it, but I know of its limitations. Not all of them, but I know that, like, I know the kinds of things I'm looking out for, right? Sure. Like, I'm trying this TurboLinks thing. I'm going to look out for this. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know that and you just think you're writing JavaScript and jQuery as usual, it's a
0: problem. I think it's also, you know, the same thing with fragment caching, right? So your app should be fast without those two things or it should be moderately fast, right? So you should be able to get to, without fragment caching, like you should still be 99th percentile, 200 milliseconds or less, and then use fragment caching to get you under the 50 milliseconds or less mark. But you don't want on a cold cache to still be painfully slow. And I think the same is true of Turbolinks. A a lot of effort that used to go into setting up your assets so that page loads were fast, and there wasn't a lot of parsing of JavaScript that had to be done just to render the page, that used to be a thing that we did, and I don't think people spend a lot of time on it anymore and you know if you if you look at like the Google Page Speed tools, they give you all kinds of very specific things that you can do that will do more than just not just uh, increase your your overall render time but like time until the until the user sees something on your page right like web fonts are so friggin annoying on mobile because <laughs> it Nowadays, some browsers at least wait three seconds, right? But um, for people who who aren't familiar with with this problem, um, if if you use web fonts, Your page can be entirely loaded, and the DOM can be completely rendered, but all text using a web font will be invisible until the font has finished loading, which can sometimes take a very long time. Now, what some mobile browsers have started doing is they've done this middle ground of they'll wait three seconds for the web font to load, and if the web font doesn't load in three seconds, show a fallback font, and then pop back to the web font when the web font is loaded. And the reason that that they wait for the web font in the first place is to avoid the the text pop-in, but that only matters if you assume that the server serving the font is very fast and that the client is very fast and that there aren't a ton of other assets being loaded, which is almost never true. And then as soon as you, I mean, Chad was just tweeting about this yesterday, right? He's in London and Mm -hmm. his mobile connection is way slower. And whenever I travel internationally, I'm on roaming data. So my connection is like 128K (laughs) and half the internet becomes unusable. Right. But that, that, the alternative of
1: like, okay, so there's the alternative of don't use a web font. Use... A font that we know to be web safe and available, right? But that ship has sailed. People are going right. to download fonts, so the alternative is to load the font in a manner such that, like, it happens afterwards, right? So, like, the page loads and yep. then you load the font and then you let the text pop in happen. But then you get the flash of unstyled text, the fout, yep. right? Yep. And that's a thing that people rail against as well. Like, oh, that was really that was really jarring to see, like, reg- to see, like, you know, Times New Roman or what, whatever the hell your fallback font is.
0: It's not Times New Roman. Uh, <laughs> So See but, that but then, when people are railing against it, is it like somebody has done studies and showed that it greatly hurt user engagement? Yes. Or, no, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, like if it, but because that, that's how the entire Internet works, right? I mean. Right. And Progressive it's, and enhancement. It's, <laughs> You're progressively enhancing
1: your font. <laughs> well, and
0: one would hope. Yeah, you know, I think part of it is um, like we've shoehorned web fonts into, into HTTP when they should have stricter caching. Because the font doesn't change, yeah,
1: unless you're using a custom icon font. Why would your custom icon? Oh, because you're oh, gonna have a different custom right. icon font than than I'm gonna have, and vice versa.
0: No, oh, but okay. But I mean, like when you reference the font, which is uniquely associated with your website, right? You know, if you like, if you say you're gonna use Helvetica, yeah, sure, go download Helvetica. But like, you don't need to continuously go get, go check and get a three hundred four. It's never right. going to change.
1: Well, I mean, you can put the cache headers on it so that doesn't
0: happen, right? You can. Um, what's the upper limit you can set on that? I, th- I think it's a year. Yeah. Why don't? So why is this even a problem then? Why are the Why would the browsers be making a second request?
1: Well, because maybe it's. Not, I mean, just because it's a year doesn't mean you have that much storage on your device to store everything in your cache. Like True. your yeah. browser is going to expire your cache as well, and you're going to clear your cache or whatever. Like so.
0: Eh, I suppose
1: you don't have unlimited cache space
0: kind of do if you have a terabyte hard drive. But then again, I guess I you're assuming you have a terabyte hard
1: drive for unlimited cache space. That's a no terabyte hard drive on your mobile device is uh, not going to happen. That's yeah, <laughs> on <the> cloud. <laughs> well, yeah, that is, that is exactly where it is, John. Uh,
0: <laughs> that it has to be hey, downloaded. Anyway, my point being, though, it's a, I, I feel like it's, you know, a, we don't like the one style text because it's ugly, but it's at the expense of like, making the internet unusable for some people. Yeah,
1: anytime, to me, anytime I notice that, oh, I'm waiting on a web font. That's a loss. I would rather see the flash of unstyled text, personally, because accessibility- I don't want to. I don't want to wait. Right? Yeah, it is an accessibility issue. Um, I mean, a lot of things boil down to accessibility issues, like how accessible is your web page over a slow connection. So, anyway, performance.
0: So that's been going well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's faster. It's a lot faster now. Now we're just kind of trying to squeak out. Like I said, I think the image loading thing is the last thing we have to do. That was actually one of the suggestions from the Google Speed, either in the audit directly in Chrome or in the Speed tools. I can't remember. We'll link to the Speed tools thing if you haven't seen that before. But it basically suggested, like, hey, you might want to load some of these off of other servers. And, like, another thing it was suggesting was, like, using a different domain, which will be useful now that we're switching to, like, a Fastly domain so that you don't send cookies, et cetera. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I mean they're they're small, but you're doing that on, you know, if there's sixty image requests and you're sending, you know, fifty, sixty bytes worth
0: right. of a cookie every time, that adds up. So and keep my and you know, people also need to keep in mind too, right? Users data uh allowances are getting more and more restrictive. Yeah. It adds
1: up. Man. Uh okay. We gotta do this every week now, so I guess I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Show notes for this episode can be found at bike shed.fm slash twenty six.
0: As always, ratings and reviews on my iTunes are much appreciated.
1: If you want to give us feedback on this episode or any other, you can tweet us at underscore bike shed or email us at hosts at bike
0: or leave feedback on the website at bike shed.fm. Thanks for listening to Bike Shed and we'll see you next time.